0: Is the biggest takeaway from fall camp that Coach Petrino will indeed call plays for the Aggies this season? You are Locked On Aggies, your daily podcast on the Texas A&M Aggies. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome on in to Locked On Aggies. I'm your host, Andrew Stefaniak. Thanks for making Locked On Aggies your first listen every single day. Today's episode is brought to you by Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account, and use code LOCKEDONCOLLEGE for $20 off your first purchase. Today we are joined by former Aggie defensive lineman Jay Arnold. Jay, thanks for being here, buddy. How are you?
1: I'm doing all right, Andrew. Thanks again for having me. Uh, It's always fun to hop on here and and chop it up and talk about the Aggies.
0: Now, of course, I agree with you. And also, congrats, recently engaged. I just want to say congrats on that, buddy. I just want to laugh.
1: Yeah, I appreciate it. Uh, Mm -hmm. You know, I I did it at the top of a mountain. Uh, We took a ski lift to get up there, and that was easily the most nerve-wracking ski lift ride of my life.
0: I, I I I believe it. I believe it. I do. <laughs> so um, fall camp, you know, it's kind of wrapped up. We're now getting into real gameplay, the start of the season, getting ready to rock and roll for the New Mexico game. And I was kind of sitting and thinking, you know, what are the biggest takeaways from fall? It, it, what, do we, what do we feel about? And, and you and I talked before we pressed the record button. I feel like of all the stuff that happened, some injuries, some question marks, different positions, I still think, Knowing that Coach Petrino is going to take care of this offense and call the plays is my biggest takeaway from fall camp.
1: Yeah, I mean, I was kind of reticent to believe that the offense would be better until uh, we heard from Bobby Petrino about what the offensive plan was going to look like. And in his press conference at the beginning of fall camp, uh, he talked about his offensive philosophy. Uh, He talked that he's going to – uh, be the play caller. And he also talked about how part of his philosophy, which is the FTS feed the studs philosophy, is adapting to your players. And I think my biggest complaint with Jimbo Fisher so far through his tenure at AM is that he hasn't really adopt, uh, adapted his offense to the players. Uh, so Bobby Petrino coming out and saying that his plan is to adapt to what AM has, and there are a ton of offensive weapons for AM to take advantage of. Uh, hearing him come out and say that gives me a lot more confidence in this team. Uh, there's still some, some issues, right, that need to be shored up, but uh, the offense struggling last year was, was a big part of the problem uh, and, and why A&M had a disappointing season. So hearing Bobby Petrino say that they're going to adapt the, this offense to uh, the talent that A&M has is, is a refreshing thing to hear.
0: I agree with you. I love the feed the studs. We talked about it here on the show. I love that mentality. I think I see this more in the NFL than I almost do college. But it's like when you, you know, let's say you're the Vikings, right? Why, you know, why are we throwing to uh, KJ Osborne? Well, you know, why are we doing that? Feed Justin Jefferson. And I, I get it. You have to spread the ball around a little bit. But I, I notice it more in the NFL. But it's like you have outstanding receivers. You got Evan Stewart. You got Moose. You got Anias. You got Noah Thomas. I mean, you have one of the best wide receiver rooms in the country. You got a talented running back room, uh, some, you know, not totally proven guys, but I'm just glad to hear that Coach Petrino, you know, it's, it's a great, I agree with you. It's feed the guys that are going to put up points that are going to be explosive, are going to find ways to get points up on the board for your team. And so hearing that's going to kind of, that's going to be how he conducts his business as the offensive coordinator uh, play caller for the Aggies It excites me because I think you're going to see what Petrino has to offer, which we've seen throughout his career all over, you know, his different stops, one of the best offensive minds in the game. But I guess to other big takeaways, one I've talked a lot about is the cornerback room. I was high, I mean high on Tony Grimes. And I haven't heard much negatives about, I haven't heard anything negative. It hasn't been like Tony Grimes hasn't looked great, but we've heard a lot of talk about Josh DeBerry and Jay, the true freshman, Javon Thomas. So, I mean, you know, it's it's an interesting position battle as we're getting close to the start of the season.
1: Yeah, uh, I, think, I think we both expected Tony Grimes to be the guy, but, you know, one of the things that, you know, A&M was high on him uh, coming out of high school, too, before he committed to North Carolina. And one of the things that I saw on film is I always saw Grimes as more of a safety-type body. Uh, and I, I think maybe that's kind of, showing up and and maybe he ends up more of a safety or a nickel uh and then you have josh barry who played some of his best college football at, at boston college in the nickel position who's really kind of surprised people stepping into the corner role uh and i don't think that's necessarily a bad thing uh, obviously Tyreek chappelle was was pretty entrenched as a starter at one of the corner spots but yeah josh barry and then Javon thomas i mean both uh, coming in and 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 being a little more surprising than I think the two guys that we were expecting to battle at that position and and Grimes and McCall, uh, so and the other flip side of that too is is Joshua Berry comes in as a graduate transfer, uh, having that experience edge, uh, I think that's a little bit important too, and 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 you never, you're never going to turn down senior leadership, so uh, I think. Uh, while it's a little bit surprising that Tony Grimes maybe didn't get that corner role, you, you look at it and you think to yourself, and you know maybe you can see why it happened and uh, why Josh Berry seems to be that guy getting a lot of the reps at the corner position opposite Tariq Chappelle.
0: You know, I, I agree with everything you said, and I mean, uh, it, the funny part about it is I liked the tape on Josh DeBerry. I, I did. I liked the tape. I liked the experience factor. I agree with you, um, but there was something about McCall. The little bit of tape we saw from Florida state, he got into eight games, didn't play a crazy amount of snaps. PFF loved him, And Tony Grimes, I mean, I kind of thought he was going to come and just revamp his career. I mean, it wasn't like he was necessarily bad at North Carolina. I wouldn't go that far to say he was bad, but he didn't live up to one of the best players in the country type potential. So I'm, I'm happy to see both those guys because at the end of the day, this is what I always say. if, Javon Thomas or Josh DeBerry is out playing them and winning a spot. That's not like you don't have to lean toward the negative of like that means that those guys aren't playing well. Maybe that just means that Thomas and DeBerry are playing great football and they're in a position to really help this team. So that's the way I try to kind of look at it. And I feel good about that position group as a whole. Um, and the other guy I'm, I'm excited to see is Bryce Anderson. I think he is in for a monster season. Yeah, and, you know,
1: while there are some questions at corner, the safety position at A&M looks fantastic. Uh, the, you have the one-two punch of, of Bryce Anderson and Damani Richardson. And uh, Damani Richardson, again, coming back is huge. So y- you look at what A&M has in the secondary, and, and there's plenty of talent there, and, and we'll see who ends up in the nickel spot. Because <clears throat> I think Durkin's probably going to have five DBs on the field pretty much at mm-hmm. all times. Uh but it'll be it'll be interesting to see where everybody lines up in Week One and 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 moving forward. <clears throat> uh, but like you said, I mean, Bryce Anderson is just—he looks like he's going to be a fantastic player, no matter where he ends up. Maybe he takes over that nickel spot, uh, maybe he slots into the safety position next to Richardson. No matter what, he's going to be on the field and he's going to be making an impact.
0: You know, I I agree with you, everything there. Now, I do have a question. This is, as a former player, I think this is some great insight people could get here. How much can we take away from this opening game against New Mexico? Like, you know what I mean? I'm talking about things like that. What's personnel groups going to look like? You know, with the game against Miami, I know that they're going to want to run up the scoreboard and probably get their guys out and and try and get the 2D in a little bit. But, I mean, what as fans can we take away from a game like that?
1: You can't take away a ton, uh, but you can take away scheme. You know, I mean, it's going to be vanilla. You're not going to have as many exotics or, or blitzes on the defensive side as you uh, will later in the season. And offensively, you're probably not going to see as much eye candy, as much pre-snap motion as you will perhaps later in the season. Uh, obviously, the trick plays, you're probably not going to break those out. But uh, you can still get some things, like the the mix and tempo that Bobby Petrino may bring uh, offensively. Uh, you may see like what kind of personnel groupings you're running with defensively as far as are we going to go more four-down linemen or three-down linemen. And again, that can change from game to game based on opponent, but uh, it'll be interesting to see kind of what both coordinators roll with as far as the basics, right? Because against New Mexico, you're probably going to go with your base groupings on both offense and defense, Uh, And I think there are going to be some changes from last year uh, in those base groupings. And I think that's what, as a fan, you should tune into uh, and and try to notice uh, when A&M kicks off against New Mexico on
0: September 2nd. I agree with you. I agree with you. We are going to get Jay to tell us a little bit about the defensive line and who he thinks is going to step up this year and look good this year. But first, we're going to have to talk about our friends over at game time. Game time is the best place to go and get your last minute tickets. I I can't tell you how many times I've wanted to go to a ball game. And then you look at some of these other platforms to buy a ticket and the, in the prices are just out of this world. And you, you're thinking to yourself, it's the bottom of the first in a baseball game, or it's, you know, 10 minutes to game time. Why are these ticket prices not going down? Not at game time. They do a great job making sure that you get the best deals Everybody want, wants to go to a ball game, whether it's NFL, MLB. I mean, you know, you want to go see ball games. It's hockey. Jay, we talked about hockey last time you were on the show. You know, uh, wherever you want to go, you want to get the best prices, and that's what you get at GameTime. If you're there last second, you can get some good deals that you might not get on other platforms. So I highly recommend going to check out what GameTime has to offer, downloading the app. It really is a great place to get your tickets last second and to save yourself some money, which we all need right now. Snag the tickets without the stress with game time. Download the game time app, create an account, and use code LOCKEDONCOLLEGE for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account and redeem code LOCKEDONCOLLEGE for $20 off. Download game time today. Last-minute tickets, lowest prices guaranteed. This defensive line, Jay, this defensive line, you know, I mean – It's funny, the depth of it, it is hard. I've talked about, you find me a position group in college football deeper than this Texas A&M defensive line. I mean, it's a conversation you could have. I've never, I mean, it feels like we talk about, you could talk about 15 different people, it feels like, on on this defensive line as a whole, and it's a unit. I think Aggie fans are excited to see how good can this unit be? How, what's the sack total going to be? Are we going to be able to stop the run? So, those are my two questions for you. That's a, been a big question mark here is stopping the run. Is that going to happen? So, I want to hear just your thoughts on the unit as a whole. Are they going to get pressure on the quarterback and then stopping the run?
1: Yeah. So, the first thing I look at with this defensive line group uh, and the issues of the run game last year, I, I think I talked about this last time, but AM's defensive line wasn't really getting blown off the ball, right? Uh, blowing off the ball Getting blown off the ball is a lot harder to fix A lot of the problems that a and seemed to have last year Had to do with continuity and, and youth up front uh, Guys were throwing out of their gaps too early on the run uh, Guys were letting the quarterback break contain uh, in, in scramble situations and, and those things are things that can be taught And can be adapted to And, and can be uh, improved upon as guys get older so you look at all the talent that A&M has, and I think it's pretty clear that that this unit should take a step forward uh, in in twenty twenty three. Uh, McKinley Jackson again is back as the as the leader, the heart and soul, of the interior, of the defensive line. But Walter Nolan uh, is a name that I've heard nothing but good things about as far as improving, and he was already pretty dang good as a as a true freshman. Uh, he slimmed up a little bit now, should be a little bit quicker, uh, which is frightening for. Opposing offensive lines, right? When you got to block two guys like Walter Nolan and, and McKinley Jackson, that's not fun. That's not a fun proposition. Uh, the other side of the struggle, of the defensive line, sacks, right? Uh, AM has to find a way to get pressure on the quarterback. And I look at what AM has defensively. Fadil Diggs is obviously a, a very talented pass rusher when he's healthy. Uh, if he can stay healthy, I think he'll he'll be uh, a guy that gets a lot of sacks. And I think uh, a guy that, you know, maybe a little bit lower on the depth chart, but I think may uh, see some playing time in obvious passing downs is, is Malik Silla, who uh, with a lot of length uh, creates those kind of issues uh, for offensive line. that's hard to deal with. Uh, he uses his hands well. He has a lot of bend for a guy that's as, as tall as he is. And it, it's – kind of a perfect storm for a pass rusher. Uh, but, I mean, on the flip side of that, too, you have a, a guy in Altie Overton who was – this was technically supposed to be his freshman year, right? Uh, he reclassified from the, the – in his recruiting class and came in a little bit early. Uh, he's another guy that slimmed up a little bit, looks a little bit leaner, uh, should be quicker. And, and again, I mean, if you're not having success rushing the passer and, and a lot of the problem that AM had last year – and giving up rushing yards wasn't just the running backs. It was quarterbacks escaping the pocket. So now you have a little bit trimmer, leaner defensive line that can perhaps contain a little bit better and and stay disciplined, stay in your rushing lanes, and you should get more sacks. Uh, so those, those are the two things. I think, I think it really eventually just comes down to discipline, uh, both in the run game and in the pass game, as far as improving the sack numbers and improving the uh, amount of rushing yards you're giving up.
0: Yeah, I agree with you on everything there. I mean, knowing that they weren't getting blown off the ball, it, that, it does make you feel better knowing we can make these changes. It, it's not really a I've got that dog in me kind of situ- problem or it's not a you know strength situation. It's it, it's So knowing that, I think that's got to make Aggie fans feel better that hopefully the defensive line and is going to be able to kind of make those changes they need to before the start of the season. And that's one thing I say here a lot too is like, you know, people talk about well, they were bad at it last year. They're gonna be bad at it this year. I mean, no. I mean, generally, you're bad at something. You work on it to get better, and you're gonna we're gonna see that happen. The defensive line struggled to stop the run. You know, that's been a focus in the offseason. So I, I, I definitely think we're gonna see that improved this year. So I feel good knowing that's gonna look a lot better. The um, you know, my next thought here is a little bit about position groups that. We feel good about and we don't feel good about. I kind of want to and feel good. I feel good about the, the starters all around. I have two deep questions at positions like let's say linebacker would, would be the position. So for me, the positions I feel good about. I feel great about the defensive line, feel great about the receivers, and I feel pretty darn good about the secondary as a whole. But the linebackers, I like your top end guys, but the two deep, I think it gets a little thin, and I'm I'm a little concerned there.
1: Yeah, echoing everything you said, uh, the linebackers, the the top two guys are are good, perhaps not great, but linebackers are kind of a hard position to recruit nowadays. Uh, it's not it's not as sexy of a position as it used to be, right? Guys either want to be in the back end or they want to be that edge rusher. Mm-hmm. Uh, so so linebacker uh, isn't necessarily the spot that guys kind of flock to. Uh, Chris Russell, Edger and Cooper, both talented guys, uh, but the depth is frightening. Uh, you you lose a guy to transfer portal and Andre White, who I think would have been quality depth. Uh, you have Martrell Harris Jr. is the only guy in the two deep who has been in the program for a while, or at least longer than a year. Uh, true freshman Torian York came in, in the spring, impressed a lot of people in the spring. I think he's going to be a guy that's going to be good for this program, but you still don't necessarily want a true freshman in there at the mic uh, being kind of the the play caller for the for the defense. Uh, you also have uh, Durante Davis uh, comes in as a transfer from Jackson State. I think he'll provide quality depth. But, uh, again, you don't want to see all those guys play in uh, a ton of snaps. You want to make sure you're, you're hoping that, that Russell and Cooper stay healthy because uh, it's, a, it's a little bit thin on experience uh, after those two.
0: Yeah, I, I agree with you. that That's the position. And I, I like York. I like Davis. I think they're both players that can help. But I mean, you know, Davis played at Jackson State. That's not SEC competition. And then York being a freshman, it's just, it, it scares you a little bit. I think they both have a lot of a bright future ahead of them. But I don't know if that future is right now. I think it's the future. So I agree with you there. But quarterback, it's an interesting question here. I, I, I've said Connor Wigman, I, I think, is the guy. I, I I don't, I think many agree there. But okay, what we're we're recording this on Thursday, so this show will go up Friday morning, and we still don't know who the starting quarterback is. I mean, like I say, I, I like to think I know, but every other school, you know, Coach Fisher has made it sound like it is it is a battle. It's a quarterback battle. I I never really saw it that way, and I kind of still don't, but I think if it's a battle, people generally name their starting quarterback. And it's getting to a point where I'm kind of wondering. Why do we not know yet?
1: Yeah, I think Jimbo just kind of likes to do this. Yeah. <laughs> if I'm what, being honest. Yeah, that's what people uh, people
0: have said that and I agree with it, but it's just I don't I don't get it. But go yeah, ahead. Go ahead.
1: I, I don't I don't understand it either. I'm pretty confident that Connor Wegman's gonna be your starter. Uh here's the thing. I I think if you start Max Johnson, then then Wegman is likely to transfer. Uh I just I don't think you can afford to, especially like the way he closed out the season last year. He's still young. Yeah, he's a sophomore. If you bench him after kind of going through a rough season, closing on a high note with that win against LSU, uh, a lot of confidence. And you bench him, you're going to shake up that confidence quite a bit. And, I mean, they're going to say everything in the news or in the media about how, you know, you're adapting to your situation. You can't really let something like that affect you, but it does affect the quarterback, and it affects the growth. So I, I just I don't see a scenario in which Connor Regman is not the starter. Uh, with that being said, I, I, I'm like you. I don't understand why they won't just announce it, uh, but I guess we'll we'll see what happens when, uh, when A&M rolls out their offense against uh,
0: New Mexico on September 2nd. There you go. We are going to talk a little bit about the schedule outlook now that we are done with fall camp and getting ready to rock and roll into the season. And we might even sunshine pump a little bit. I am for sure. So we're going to talk about that, talk about a little bit of ceiling and floor coming up right here on Locked on Aggies. Last time we had John Jay, you know, we talked about the ceiling and the floor. That was the, the main topic of the day. And I'm going to be honest with you. I've changed my my ceiling a few a few steps a few a few steps on the ladder. I'm starting I'm starting to get a little I'm starting to get high on the Aggies. I mean, higher than <laughs> I was. I'm going to be honest with you. It's just you know getting to know this team better. Um, you know, as we got through fall camp, and I, I just I feel pretty good about the spot we're at, and I think. People are down on the Aggies. National media is down on us, which I know doesn't matter. People comment that often, which is true. But I just – I my floors – I mean, my ceiling's gone up, and I just want to see now that we're done with fall camp and the season's getting ready to get going, are, are, are you with me there or are you not quite there?
1: I, again, after Bobby Petrino's press conference, I got a little bit excited, and I, I tend to do this every year. I mean, I would like to separate myself from fandom, but the hope gets into me, and, and I just – Man, I look at all the talent that A&M has, and I, I can't help but feel like, hey, a couple bounces go our way, and, and there's a lot of potential here, uh, especially in a year where Alabama has a lot of questions, uh, where it looks like LSU is the frontrunner in the SEC West, but AM happened to beat LSU to close the season last year. Uh, all of that gives you a little bit of hope, uh, and I'm, I'm trying to temper it with with realistic expectations but it's not working
0: we don't do it here and locked on aggies we don't do that we just let it fly we accept (laughs) it and we're and we're fine with it but i mean you know i think being at media days is what kind of started my sunshine pumping just because you know you get to know more about these opposing teams and players and and, um i mean the way i look at this that is the biggest key like you said is the alabama game being more of a I think you could go as far to say it's a toss-up now I think at first I looked at it as it's Alabama you're not supposed to win but you could now I look at it as almost a toss-up game and Tennessee's been the team I think I asked you the question last time of the um, LSU Bama and Tennessee games which one do you think is more is the most winnable at the time you said Tennessee I still lean Tennessee myself more more so than Alabama I think Tennessee's a little bit. I think they're a little bit overrated, personally. Um, I don't want that to bite me in the behind. That's just my opinion as we sit right now. But, you know, I mean, you look at the schedule. The three tough games, I talked about how I break down the schedule. You could, Ole Miss, you could put that into a tough game or a really tough game, any category you want. But I don't love this. This is the one thing we've talked about recently. You're Of your four hardest games on the schedule, which I say are the Bama Tennessee Ole Miss and LSU games three or four are on the road and I do not love that
1: yeah it's it's tough when you get that but on the flip side you you get Alabama at home uh, I still think Tennessee is the most winnable game of those uh, I don't I don't know if you want to go into full record predictions right now uh, but I look at it and I think a reasonable response to AM's record is nine and three. And and part of that is getting some of those difficult games on the road. Uh, I can I can go through it and tell you which ones I have as wins, which ones is losses. I think we'll probably go step by step. But I mean it's just a tough schedule. It's SEC, right? Uh, you get a road game to start the year against Miami, uh, taking away the New Mexico contest. You know, and, and Miami is a team that's in a similar situation to Texas a I just don't know that they have the talent that Texas a m has. Uh, but with that being said, I think that can be a little bit of a litmus test, right? Do you go on the road at Miami and take care of business? If you do, that sets the stage for a pretty good season. If you lose at Miami or stumble a little bit, things get a little bit hairy, right? Uh, so that's the game that I kind of have circled as the first test and then uh you get into the meat of the sec schedule and and who knows what may happen but i i do think i'm a little bit higher on am than i was uh last time we talked
0: yeah i'm gonna ask you a question and then we're gonna do that i wasn't gonna do that but it's a good idea running through the schedule and i'm gonna say wh- how i think it's gonna turn out and you tell me that's a good idea we'll do that in a minute but um first of all nine and three i agree with you i think that's a I think that's a safe place to say. I think the Aggies are going to go nine and three and nobody's going to look at you funny. I think that's a number where I agree with you. Nine and three is kind of where I'm at. So I've talked a little bit about this. If you, the outlook on going into that Bama game, five and oh, compared to four and one and three and two. I mean, I just think – I talk about destiny in college football, and I bring up the Tennessee-Bama game last year. Before that game was played, I wish I'd have put money on it. But I, I told my dad, I told everybody, I said, Tennessee's winning this football game. I just – I feel it. I, I, and I think as fans, we get that. You can feel when an underdog you know, might win a game or at least give a team a good game they maybe shouldn't.
1: Or when, or when a f- team feels like they're just due for, for exactly. breaking
0: out. And, and I kind of feel that if you go into that Bama game 5-0, and is that an easy ask? No, you got to beat Arkansas, Auburn, and Miami, and then of course the two not great non-conference teams. But do you? How much do you do you look at that? The difference between going into that game three and two slash four and one, or going into it five and zero. You go into it five and zero. That's College Game Day, in my opinion. So I'm curious your thoughts on that.
1: Yeah, it's it's tough to think because like last time Alabama came to college station Am was not doing well they kind of limped into that game and then all of a sudden pull off the upset with, with Zach calzada uh, but I think there's already kind of a built-in chip on am shoulder from last year and the five and seven so uh, I, I think you want to go into that game undefeated if possible because then it sets up the the back half of the season to, to really say something uh, and if you go into that game undefeated, even if you lose to Alabama, it's not the end of the world, right? Uh, so it'll it'll be interesting to see for sure. Uh, again, I I love that A and M gets Bama at home. That's I think a big boost. I have that game as a loss on the schedule right now, but uh, I do think that going into it five and zero would be a confidence boost because the flip side of uh, the three and two or four and one, you run the risk of. Am as a program that's coming off a losing season saying oh no, here we go again uh, and that can damper the fans can damper the environment so yeah I, I uh, I'm not saying that they're definitely gonna be five and0, but the schedule sets up nice to be
0: undefeated going into that game. I agree with you I, I agree with you. let's run through it. I'm gonna say the net, the game I'm gonna say win loss you say win loss we'll run through it all 12 games okay. New Mexico win win. Uh, Miami, I got it as a win.
1: I have it as a win, but it's going to be a test.
0: I agree. Yeah, I, I agree with you there. Louisiana Monroe obviously win. Win. Um, and then Auburn, I have as a win.
1: Auburn, I have as a win, and if I'm an A&M fan, I'm very glad I'm catching Hugh Freeze in Auburn early in the season.
0: I agree with you. I, I, I see something positive coming over there in, in Auburn. I think they're going to they're going to have a good Seems year. Seems like they I...
1: got the uh, the machine kind of turning
0: again. Exactly, but I, I, it's a great point that we get them when we get them. I wouldn't want them week nine or week, you know. I just no, thank you. I agree. That's a great point. This is where I think it gets really interesting. Arkansas.
1: Arkansas is a win that takes five years off of my life, as the I, game I in Jerry World win. always does.
0: It's a win where it's like you just kind of you don't watch the game and hope. I mean, obviously, I'm kidding. You're going to watch the game, but it's like yeah. it's it's going to be a weird one. I just got a feeling about
1: that. It. AM Arkansas game at Jerry World is always just sloppy and weird and nobody feels good going out of it. Uh and I'm expecting that to be the story again this year. No matter who wins, uh new team is probably going to be
0: happy. Yeah, I agree with you. Okay. Bama loss here.
1: I have this as a loss. Uh again, there's some things that make this winnable. Bama has some questions, but I also watched Nick Sabin smiling at press conferences, which is a terrifying uh terrifying sight. Uh And I just, like – it always seems like whenever everybody counts out Alabama, they come back with a fury. And it feels like one of those – even though they're ranked number four, it feels like one of those years where everybody's like, I don't know about Alabama this year, Uh, which makes me think that Alabama's going to be good.
0: Exactly. I agree with you. All right. Tennessee, I have it as a win. I do. Uh,
1: I have it as a win as well. Uh, I just think that Tennessee is going to be kind of a boomer bust team this year. Uh, They have – the offensive capability still to jump on teams and uh, kind of get on top early. I just think that a is going to be disciplined enough to handle it. And, uh, you know, as tough as that road environment is going to be in Neyland, uh, in Knoxville, I just think that A&M has more weapons and, and is going to be a little bit more consistent than Tennessee.
0: I agree with you. South Carolina I have as a win.
1: I have as a win as well. Obviously this was uh, one of the losses that a m took last year that – Uh, It was a little bit frustrating. Uh, You had some turnovers in that game, and then you outgained South Carolina in the second half. But you get them at home, and South Carolina's lost a bit to the portal uh, as well. So I I, I think that A&M gets back to their winning ways against South Carolina.
0: Now, this one, the Ole Miss game, for me, I think that they're going to beat one uh, between Tennessee and Ole Miss. I think they're going to win one of those and lose one of those. For some reason, I think they're going to beat Tennessee, so I'm going to put down Ole Miss as my loss. But to me, I think I'd, I'd rather say it like they're going to go one and two in those two games ra- yeah. rather than who it's going to be.
1: Yeah, uh, I have Ole Miss as a loss on the schedule right now, too. I, and I do think that that Quinton Hens is one of the best players in college football. I mean, he is just one of those guys that you're just excited to watch whenever he's not playing your team, and, and you hate to see him uh, in the lineup whenever you do play him. Uh, but – yeah, I think Ole Miss is is just one of those squads that's uh, going to be a really tough game, and it's one that I have circled as a loss for AM going into Oxford.
0: I agree with you. Uh, Mississippi State, this one to me, feel I, I have it as a win, but I think this one's going to be more interesting than people give it credit for just because I'm a big Will Rogers guy, personally.
1: Yeah, and it'll be interesting to see what the Mississippi State offense looks like, uh, obviously, in 2023. Uh, with the with the tragic passing of, of coach leach but uh this one feels like a like one of those arkansas games right where it's just kind of AM is probably not going to be happy with how they look in this one i think they squeak out a win but it, it's going to be a tough one and mississippi state has kind of been a thorn in uh AM side since they joined the sec so it, it's uh it's a game that i'm not looking forward to but that i think AM wins I agree with you. And then Abilene Christian's a win. Uh yeah, I think it's going to be a win. <laughs>
0: <laughs> when you at, at first I was like what? I was like okay, 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 that's funny. I was like wait a minute. Yeah. I thought you were about to come in with some like crazy like have you seen their running back? Their running back's going to win the Heisman and I, I, I thought you were coming at me with some crazy knowledge there. That's hilarious. Uh, um, ACU, baby. <laughs> there you go. And then LSU, I have it as a loss.
1: I have it as a loss as well. Uh LSU looks, I mean, Obviously, Bama's ranked four, LSU's five, but I, I think I have LSU as the favorite in the SEC West this year. And you look at what A&M did last year, is going to want revenge. Like, just call it what it is. Plus, you're going to Death Valley, which is, in my opinion, one of the toughest places to play on the planet. I think uh, most people would agree with me there. And it, You just don't go into Baton Rouge and, and win. Uh, yeah. A&M hasn't done it yet. Maybe they're due for one, but I, I don't think it happens this year.
0: I agree with you. Well, So we both have nine and three there. We both have nine and three. That is going to do it for today's episode of Locked on Aggies. Jay, I really appreciate you stopping by. How can everybody check out what you got going on, brother?
1: Yeah, I have probably too much going on. I'm, I'm losing my mind. But uh, you can find me at Coach Jay Arnold on Twitter, or, or X, I guess you can call it now. Uh, I still use Twitter. Uh, you can find me also on the uh, – at pocket talk underscore fest uh, across all forms of social media. That's my bill paying job that lets me do all this stuff and lets me travel to college football games. Uh, you can also find me uh, on an A&M podcast at Aggie Warpod with me and Mike Craven uh, from Dave Campbell's talking Texas A&M football. Uh, and then you can find my national college football podcast at the get back coach, uh, which me and Jake and my buddy is a uh, Penn state guy and we talk everything around the country. Uh, I'm actually headed up to the wide out in September uh, to experience that. And as a college football fan, it's been on my bucket list. So a lot of projects going on Uh, again, maybe a little bit too much, but I'm looking forward to another busy and fun college football season.
0: There you go. All right. Once again, Jay, I really appreciate you coming on in today. That is going to do it for today's episode of locked on Aggies. Everybody have a great weekend and we will see you on Monday for the beginning of our game week preparation. Have a good weekend, everybody.